welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Heather, for being a guest on my podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Well, um, so I photographed your wedding. That's how we first met. And that uh, was... Yes. How many years ago was that? 422 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was 2009. Okay. Yeah. You can do the math. I'm bad at math. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And um, I looked up your Facebook profile just to kind of get an idea of what you're up to now. So you're like an executive, an account executive, some kind of a a business? Yes. Uh, So... I have a territory, the state of Missouri, and I work for a company called QSI, Quality Service Installation. And I sell banking equipment to banks and credit unions all over Missouri. So ATMs, ITMs, tube systems, anything that a bank has. Okay. Yeah. And then... Boring. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I love my job. Do you? (laughs) I do. I do. I'm very lucky. Mm -hmm. I think the older I get uh, in my 50s now... Uh, when I aligned with the owner of this company, some, a man of great integrity, we seem to have the same, uh, you know, personal and professional goals. So less about money these days in my life, more about how, how who I'm aligning myself with. Hmm. And I just love his uh, philosophies on life and business. And, oh, really? And all the people that work for him are extraordinary people. So mm-hmm. I am very blessed to mm-hmm. have that opportunity. Well, that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Do, so... Is it the people or is it the type of job that you're doing or is it is it mainly the people that makes the job what it is or is it just the ideal type of work for you? Well, I think it's both. both. I think it's okay. both. I love uh, sales. I've always been in some kind of sales my whole life. Okay. I always love uh, connecting with people, okay. learning about what's important to them, what motivates them. I've just been fascinated by people's stories. So that part of the job is awesome. I just walk in and try to talk to people and introduce myself and create relationships, Mm -hmm. which is a a lot of what sales is. So that's very fitting to my personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then also certainly the people I work with. Uh, Just kind, good, honest, um, really want to take care of each other and motivate each other. So it's a it's a little bit of both. Yeah. So it's business to business sales, right? Uh, yes. And um, and then do they come to you or do you have to go out and look for your... I go out and I'm a farmer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wow. get those clients, right? Okay. But really, again, there's, there's a gentleman I work with. His name is Mike Moore. And he's a great guy. He's, uh, I think, in his early 70s so he's been doing this kind of work for a long time and when I first started in this profession I called him because he's one of the the top people at the company top salespeople. Mm-hmm. so I'm always going to try to find them right who's doing the best mm-hmm. and try to mimic what they do but he's from Oklahoma and he said to me Heather you're just making friends that's all you do and mm-hmm. so that fit well for me yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Sales is just an interesting profession. It is. And there and it can vary so much, I guess, from yes. knocking on doors to calling or to just yep. maintaining accounts yep. and you're not really some people are not really looking for others. It's just maintaining the relationships that's right. and so forth. That's right. A little bit of everything. So, um 
And you were just mentioning, you know, volunteer work, and you came from like uh, this morning, um, a Planned Parenthood place in Fairview Heights. Yes. And um, so, are there more than just that one in the area? Or what's the name of that one? Is it like something about? Um, does that one have a particular name? No, it's just Planned Parenthood. Okay. And that's a new complex that they built uh, a couple of years ago went okay. up in Illinois. Uh, hmm. Missouri does not have many at all anymore. Right. Um, they've been all kind of shut down. So um, I know a group, and my mm-hmm. son is a part of them, that go to, um, on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. a Planned Parenthood in Illinois, and um, and they stand outside. Do you yes. stand outside too? Yes. Okay. Yes. I wonder if you guys are together. We might be. <laughs> How exciting. How yeah. exciting. I will look for him. Okay. For sure. I'm sure I know him. Okay. Because I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, his name is Eddie. And um, they're, the, he's with a group. One of the guys in the group would be easy to identify because he has a mohawk. Okay, <laughs> so. I love mohawks. I have always loved mohawks, Well, I've always been attracted to people with mohawks and tattoos. I'm like, what's their story? <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for them. Okay. Um, All right, and then... <clears throat> And when you're there, you said you kind of stand vigil and you yes. and you do interact with people. If giving... if they approach, okay, then I then I we interact certainly. And do people approach very often? Certainly, yes, okay. yes. I think they see us there, and and I think people might have um, a skewed vision of what uh, pro life advocates do. Oftentimes in the media, we're portrayed as people who are extremist or screaming and yelling with crazy signs, and and that is not particularly what what I align with. Okay. So yes, what I do is I uh, I'm my personal religious faith is that uh, I'm a Catholic, okay. and so I have my rosary. My mom and I go. My aunt was the director of the Forty Days for Life in um, Belleville and Fairview Heights for many years. And so what we do is we just pray, Will. We pray, and we're present for these women, children, uh, pro-life workers themselves who might have questions. And, uh, yeah, we're just present. And people do approach us and ask us what we're doing. Okay. And that's our opportunity to share with them who we are and uh, what our intention is. And our intention is always... um, to show that uh, we are loving and we are available to them and to show them that they might have choices they don't know about. Okay. And do you have signs or no? Yes. You do have signs. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is really interesting. Are there a lot of people there? Yes. Okay. Wow. On different days, different times. It's 12 hours a day, seven to seven, every day of the week. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, a lot of people come out. There's uh, so many faithful uh, people, mm-hmm. and that's beautiful to see. And it's beautiful to see such a peaceful, loving way of embracing women who are uh, struggling, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a painful state or confused state, and just to have presence there to just, you know, um, love them yeah. and remind them that they are loved. Mm-hmm. And... Um yeah, it must make an impact on them to arrive at a place and then see all the people outside. You it know? does. It's and, very um, powerful, uh, the way God works through people. 
And um, are is you know is there any kind of um, problem with like the staff, like between the people outside and the staff? Is there any kind of um, I don't know, like um, confrontation or anything? Yeah, of course, is sometimes, there, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, if if things you know confrontation happens again, uh, it's not our job to. Um, you know, change people's points of view or anything like that. We're just carrying a message. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't participate in any kind of conflict. Okay. Uh, that's not our job there. Mm-hmm. Our job is to pray and to pray that hearts are opened to a different way of seeing their situations. And then are there different approaches? Like you guys seem like a pretty quiet, passive yes. approach. Yeah. Um for other people who come, is mm-hmm. there are their approach different, and what would what's that like? Some people are more um, passionate, but it's never um, aggressive. Okay. Certainly, it's always very peaceful. Some people will yell out, you know, you know, do you need help, or do do you want, you know, we offer free ultrasounds there at the site. We offer free STD oh. testings there on the site. Everything's oh, free. You all do? We do. Yeah, okay, there's wow. a big van there right out front okay. uh, because we know that when uh, women who might be unsure of their decisions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if they want to um, have a free ultrasound, <clears throat> that's there for them. And then we're just handing pamphlets to them that kind of educate them on uh, what is available to them that they might not have known about. And they Sometimes, you know, uh, women might think that the, their only option is um, abortion, and that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Okay. That's really neat. Um, if it is, you know, we're there for them as well, post-abortion. We offer free services for women who uh, struggle after their abortion, and we um, embrace them equally because often they need more help than ever, and they're not getting that. Hmm. You know, yeah. so we want to make sure they get free counseling, um, you know, free education. We help them find jobs, you know, all kinds of things. Will mm-hmm. so many options. That's neat. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that um, I forgot why I reached out to you. I just I think I saw a post maybe. Yes. And, <laughs> I think um, I went back and looked at the post, um, yes. and it was like a, you were quoting from like a meditation, I think, yes. about um, a, so many years of sobriety and That's so right. forth. That's right. The med- meditation was just beautiful. Oh my gosh, so powerful. And I get yeah. to see it every February 6th, which is what my uh, sobriety date is, February 6th of 2006. Yeah. So meditation books for me have the same day right every year so okay. every year when i come across that particular meditation i'm just filled with joy and gratitude <clears throat> and you're right it is beautiful <laughs> what kind of meditation book is that well this is a meditation book specifically to um aa okay uh so it's a, a prayer for the day okay kind of gets my mind right to start the day uh, do you want to read that particular one well certainly absolutely let me turn to the february 6th Meditation for the day. God finds amid the crowd a few people who follow him just to be near him, just to dwell in his presence. A longing in the eternal heart 
may be satisfied by these few people. I will let God know that I seek just to dwell in his presence, to be near him, not so much for teaching or for a message as just for him. It may be that the longing of the human heart to be loved for itself is something caught from the great divine heart. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I cry a lot, so be prepared, Will. <laughs> um, anything in particular you want to say about the meditation, like why it appeals to you? I mean, or... I mean, it's very God-centered. Like, it's oh, all about yes. connection to God, which, yes. you know, sometimes, um, you know, we might have the attitude of, you know, how can I use God? What can God do for me? And this is about, like, just being this presence and so That's forth. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I think why this touches my heart so deeply <clears throat> is because I... Two, I think as most of us, if, we, if we're really honest with ourselves, uh, always had that longing to be near God. I remember that since I'm a little girl. I always felt that way. And, uh, you know, certainly my sobriety is a very big part of my life. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, but I think, you know, that's a big part of my story, wanting to... Uh, be near God, um, and that's that story, and and even the earlier conversation we were having about uh, working with um, Forty Days for Life and Coalition for Life has a lot to do with my own, you know, personal story. Um, can I share that with you? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's a big story, and uh, you know, it just will kind of give you an idea of how I came to love that meditation so much. <laughs> sure. But um, <clears throat> my alcoholism, um, you know, I truly believe that I was actually born an alcoholic. I think that was just part of my particular path. Um, as people of faith, it might be like my cross to bear, you know, in this life. And uh, looking back now, I'm very grateful for that. But that... Alcoholic behavior for me kind of started long before I drank, hmm. which is interesting. And um, that that story starts with um, as a little girl, I remember uh, playing with uh, my cousins, and uh, we we're just hanging out playing like cousins do. And I have a lot of them. I come from a big Catholic family, um, but something came out, and and I think it was. Something like, uh, well, you know your dad's not your real dad. Hmm. And that was shocking to me. And it was my first experience with fear and real confusion. I didn't know what that meant. And um, I did what a lot of alcoholics do, is I put, took that information, I pushed it way down deep inside of myself. And I never asked any questions about that. Hmm. And that was from one of your cousins? Uh, yeah, I think I so. Okay. It was so long ago because I'm so dang old. But uh, yes, long, long ago. I might have been, I want to say, eight or nine. Okay. And so being so young, I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so like I said, I kind of pushed that down. As the years went on, I guess I had pushed it down long enough. And I remember being 
uh, I believe it was with an aunt of mine, and I remember kind of blurting out, well, my dad's not my real dad. And I saw kind of a look of shock on her face. And so I realized that that might have not been something I was supposed to know. But what happened was I was told this beautiful story. And the story goes that uh, my mom, uh, who was like the homecoming queen, gorgeous, smart, funny, friends with everyone, she went away to college. And while she was at college, um, she uh, was violently raped. And uh, that was such a uh, horrifying thing. And shortly after that, she found out that she had become pregnant from that rape. And she kept that secret for uh, a little bit of time, you know, maybe a a month or two. She was suffering. Um, And she finally told one of her sisters, who was also pregnant at the time, what had happened. And uh, that sister took her and she went home, left college. Um, You know, that was 1970. And so her roommates at college did offer her, they had bought her a ticket to New York because they were performing abortions in New York. And she declined that. Hmm. Uh, But she was suffering, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. A very painful time. But she went home with her sister to her family. And they all sat around the table, and there was lots of crying and, you know, sadness and, and what are we going to do? Uh, and, you know, a very emotional family. Um, but the story goes that my Uncle Frank, who was 17 at the time, stood up and pounded his fist on the table. And he said, enough. We're not going to argue about this anymore. And he looked at his beautiful sister and he said you can have this baby and we will help you and my grandmother said won't it be nice to have little feet around and several months later I was born and so that's how the story went and it's a beautiful story and I was raised by that beautiful mom Aurora and that beautiful family, and they were just teenagers, you know, and they carted me everywhere and uh, just uh, loved me so intensely to this very day. (laughs) And uh, yes, it's a beautiful story, but when I heard that, I was still so young. And so that circumstance of my birth kind of shaped who I was. After knowing that, um, I had kind of a psychic change, and that followed me throughout my life. And again, uh, you know, I didn't talk about it. Um, my mom got married and I have three younger siblings who are my best friends to this day. And I have a beautiful dad who loves me. I think my parents probably never wanted me to know that about myself, but we know that God has bigger plans for us. Right. Um, but I did never talk about that. I kept it deep inside of myself for a long time. And it did shape my life. I, sometimes when I would see my dad playing with you know my siblings, I would think in my head, uh, does he love his real kids more than me? You know, things like that. Or when, when my mom looks at me, does she feel that pain of that trauma that happened to her? 
Um, and of course, no, those are the answers to those questions. They loved me so much. But I was just a child, you know, with a child's mind. And I, I didn't process that very well. And I think that that definitely triggered, um, you know, my alcoholic thinking and my alcoholic behavior. And so my life went on. And uh, I kind of made decisions based on what people thought I should do with my life. Or, <clears throat> you know, I, I thought, you know, oh, I'll study law because that's what my parents want me to do. Or I'll do this because, you know, that's what other people think I'm good at. You know, that's how I kind of lived, you know. Uh, if I loved something, I w- it would be full out, you know. If I didn't like it, I would just, you know avoid it. Right. And, and that's kind of, I hear that a lot from, you know, other alcoholics all in or all out. There's not a lot of gray area. Um, but my drinking, you know, like most smart alcoholics, I eventually found myself, uh, tending bar and cocktail waitressing. (laughs) And I think that's when my alcoholics, alcoholism, my drinking really took off. (laughs) Um, and I, I ended up working in kind of a fine dining establishment. I met several people there, uh, a man named John, <laughs> and then uh, a woman named Corey, who she and I became very fast friends. Uh, but in that job, you know, my alcoholism progressed very rapidly. And uh, Corey and I were best friends, and man, we lived that life. You know, we partied a lot, we worked all day and all night, and then drank the rest of the night, slept, woke up, did it all over again. And that um, was my life. Uh, that that beautiful woman, Corey, and, uh, ended up kind of disappearing. You know, she, she quit that job and left. And I didn't see her for many years. And my um, alcoholic drinking got really, really bad. You know, just um, kind of going back, when did mm-hmm. you first um, uh, kind of get the full story about you know, your, your mother's rape and, mm-hmm. and all of that. How old were you? Gosh, I want to say maybe 11, 12. So I was very young. Very young, yeah. Very young. And um, and then you had a, a dad in the... Yeah, my in, dad. Your, yeah. In, in your life and so forth. Oh, of course. Yeah. Who loves me very much. <laughs> I'm his favorite. Don't tell my kids. <laughs> and then... Um, you mentioned meeting John, yes. who you ended up marrying. I fell in love and married him eventually, yeah. <laughs> and then were you, were you working together? Is that how you... we, that's how we met. We okay. worked at that restaurant. I see. Okay. We did fall in love. Okay. And um, uh, my drinking was pretty bad, and I was really struggling in life. What am I going to do with my life? I had this job, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But um, John ended up, he asked me to move in with him. And I thought, great, this is the answer to all my problems. We're going to move in, we're going to be in love, and this is going to solve everything. You know, And it did, for about two weeks. Because <laughs> then I realized, oh crap, I have to start hiding my drinking. Hmm. And I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, I came home from work, and when I got home, uh, all my hidden bottles of booze were laid out on the table. Wow. Yeah. And John looked at me and he said, now I know you have a problem. And I want to let you know I can't live this way anymore. I love you. And I will do everything to support you. But if you don't stop drinking, I'm out of here. You know, well, I was so sick in my mind and in the depths of my alcoholism. I 
I said, can I think about this? I mean, that's how sick I was. You know what I mean? Like bottle of booze, gorgeous man, beautiful man who loves me. Uh, but I ended up um, telling him that I would get help because I knew that would keep, keep him from leaving, right? I didn't believe it in my heart. I did, you know, try to stop drinking, but it was pretty bad at that point. I was truly physically addicted to alcohol. If I didn't drink, I would um, have tremors. I would, you know, hallucinate. I was very ill. Um, And then one day, I was walking to Walgreens in the back of our uh, small little spider hole apartment. Um, We shared an alleyway. And I was walking, and I was just so sick, and I knew I had to stop drinking, but I physically couldn't do that. And I heard my name, Heather. Heather. And I turned around and this car pulled over and it was Corey. And I hadn't seen her in so many years. And she looked so beautiful and happy. And she had this little baby in the back. And I was a desperate mess. But I hugged her and we kind of just chit-chatted. You know, I oh, I live right there. And um, she was just so happy to see me. And I was a wreck. She left, you know, she drove away, but I, I guess she had kind of searched and found John's phone number and she called him and asked to talk to me. And she said, listen, I know that you are suffering and I can help you. And so I knew at that moment, that was a, a miracle, if you will, or sign. And so I, she, I went to meetings with Corey, AA meetings, and, but I continued to drink and I'm not proud of that, but I truly was very sick, very ill from alcoholism. I went to some meetings. Um, I couldn't stop drinking on my own. Uh, and so I kind of just drifted away from Corey and from AA. And, um, my drinking got so bad that I knew I had to go into rehab, but I had no insurance and, and no money. And, uh, John and I ended up I called a state-funded rehab in the inner city. But the deal with that is you have to wait for a bed to become available. Mm-hmm. And so that last week of my drinking was real bad. And the nurse on the other end of the line said, listen, you know, you have to wait for this bed, but I don't want you to stop drinking until you get here because your symptoms are such that you could have a seizure and die. Mm-hmm. And so that week of uh, my drinking was horrifying. It was bad. I was in more physical and um, spiritual, emotional pain than I ever care to know again. Um, John was suffering too. He would go to work and, and wouldn't know if I'd be alive, you know, when he came home. And it was desperate. And is it because you were trying to stop drinking? Is it why, why it was so hard that last week? Um, oh, yeah. I was so physically addicted. I, I was okay. drinking morning till night. If I did not drink, I, I would right. have terrible symptoms. Right. I would get sick every morning, certainly. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was just shaking. I was hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awful. Okay. It was so painful. But that last day of my drinking, uh, I remember John left for work. And I wanted to beg him to stay because I knew I would die that day. Something in me knew I would die that day. And uh, I was in the bathroom. I was very ill. And I remember calling out to God. And I said, God, please kill me. I can't do this anymore. You know? And the moment those words, when I called out to God, 
when the, when that happened, that phone rang, and John walked through the door. He had left work early, and it was that nurse on the other end of the line saying that there was a bed available to me, and I knew that it was over. You know, but I had asked God to save me, to kill me, really, and He did. You know, He killed that sick part of me, and I could be reborn. And that was a miracle to me. You know, and I'm a good Catholic. You know, I know what a miracle is. <laughs> Not the kind, you know, where, oh, I saw a face of Jesus in a bologna sandwich or whatever. <laughs> but a real uh, miracle. And my life was forever changed. And I did go to that rehab. I didn't know what it would be like. I had never been to rehab before, but I went there to that, that rehab in the inner city. And... Uh, you know, they thought I was a joke. They're the, the drugs of choice there were crack and heroin. And I was the only little white girl from the county. You know, they thought I was a little rich girl, right? My uh, roommate was a toothless, illiterate crack whore named Terry. And uh, I had never met anyone like her. I'd seen characters like her in the movies, you know, but I'd, I'd never met anyone like her before. And she'd probably never met anyone like me before. We're so different. Uh, but what I found there was that um, over those 28 days that Terry and I grew to love each other very much. And I realized that we were the same. I was her and she was me. All those f- feelings, fears, pain, it was all the same. And the only thing that kept me from living her life was not taking that next drink. And so I finished that rehab, and I did exactly what they told me to do. You know, I knew I did not want to go back there. I certainly didn't want to uh, ever hurt my family that way again. I did not want to hurt my God or myself that way again. I knew that. And so I kept my mouth shut, and I did what I was told. You know, I got a sponsor. I started going to AA meetings every single day, you know. Um, How long did the rehab last? Oh, that was like 28. I had to be medically detoxed first for maybe almost a week. Mm -hmm. And then I went to rehab for, I believe, 28 days at that time. They offered a little bit longer than they do now, unfortunately. But but I learned a lot there. Um, Mostly I learned that... I did have a a God uh, that loved me and that if I did certain things every day, I could succeed, not by my own will, but by um, the will of God. If Mm -hmm. I just got out of my own way uh, and lived these spiritual disciplines of the 12 steps, which are beautiful Mm -hmm. and a way of living for, I think, and and even uh, normals, uh, that's what we call you guys that can drink normally. We call you normals. (laughs) Normal people like my husband or my family members, my siblings, read the big book of AA. They say, well, this this would be great for anyone to live this way. And that's true. You know, there there's simple things that you know I've learned even in my Catholic faith, mm-hmm. uh, growing up, which I'm I'm a very um, practicing Catholic. You know, I um, so that kind of melds well together for me. My spiritual discipline of AA and my you know devout Catholic faith works so well together. So I'm very grateful for that. 
you know, and I live my life. I, I, um, life is really hard still, you know, but I always know that there is a, a way of overcoming, um, these difficulties in life that we all face, you know, we all have, like I said, our crosses to bear in this life. You know, I just happen to get this, mm-hmm. you know. So in what way is life hard now? Is it still kind of like the a craving for alcohol? Or is it like in different ways and so forth when you're talking about life being hard? Well, sometimes cra- craving. Less often now that I've had, you know, a little yeah. over 17 years of sobriety. Less often. Mm-hmm. But I think with... Um, you know, life, you know, my difficult things will happen. People you love will die or Mm -hmm. you'll, you know, have struggles in your professional life or your relationship struggles, you know, with your spouse or your family members, friends, life. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that for everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, like I'm, like I mentioned, you know, we're all, uh, the same, True, you know, truly, there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what I have to remember. And certainly, as an alcoholic, you know, my inclination, my brain will often want to be poor me. Oh, it's me, you know, me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I've learned in this beautiful program and in, in my faith is that, you know, if if I get myself out of myself, you know, my sponsor, my mom, who is a very wise and beautiful woman, uh, my siblings, the people I count on, my husband, they'll say, uh, Heather, uh, it's not about you, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't you stop thinking about yourself? You know, obviously we have to find out what's really, uh, you know, triggering these maybe pain uh, cravings, whatever comes up in life. Why am I focused so so much on this. So I, I do evaluate myself and, and even my daily life every day. I think about, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of make a list in my head. What did I do? Well, you know, what did I, what could I work on for tomorrow? Who did I help? You know, did I harm someone? Do I need to make amends? You know, did I pray enough? Right. How was my relationship with my God? You know, because when I have conflict or, or pain in my life, resentments, anger, sadness, fear, fear is a big one for me, anxiety, you know, am I uh, really approaching things the way I could? So often I'll just stop. I'll be silent. I'll take a deep breath. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to surround me. Guide me, show me your will for me. Help me see that it's not just about me. How can I be of service to others to to share my experience, strength, and hope with people? And when I do those things, surprisingly well, my problems kind of go away a little bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the funny thing about not being uh, self selfish when you're selfless your problems seem to dissipate a little bit, you realize. So then if it's not about you, (laughs) what's it about? I think it's about, uh, I mean, I truly believe it's about um, sharing the, the power of God in this life. Whatever 
you might not be an alcoholic. You might not be Catholic. I mean, there are many beautiful uh, religions, faiths, ways of living. You know, there are many agnostics that I know that I love dearly that ha- have similar outlooks uh, on life to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many ways of, of living life. But I find the happiest people really focus on carrying a message of, of love you know, light, truth, honesty, uh, openness, and a desire to connect. You know, to see the sameness in each other, I think is really important to me. I think what keeps a lot of people stuck in their own thing that they have, whatever it may be, you know, uh, could be overeating, could be what, you know, whatever. Uh, when we try to see the differences, well, I mean, you would do this if you had my pain too, or I'm not a, I can't be an alcoholic. I'm not a gutter drunk, you know, or whatever. I haven't lost my job or whatever. When we keep ourselves separated or different, when we try to see differences, I think that keeps us stuck a lot. You know, it's only when we see how we are the same, you know, how we are all uh, children of, of God and have equal beauty and power and hope, you know, that's what helps us move forward in life, uh, to create something better for each other. So um, you mentioned like the AA steps. Sure. Are there any particular um, like principles or Mm -hmm. things that are particularly meaningful to you from AA? Oh my God. A thousand. How long is this podcast? Do you have four hours? Yes, so many. Um, you know, f- for me, there's many steps and principles that I love, but I, I really connect most recent, you know, just in this current stage of my life, uh, step 11, so beautiful to me. Uh, and that is uh, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Hmm. Okay. That is key for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And then that leads you to the next step, right? The 12th step, which is all about being of service to people. Okay. That's where I'm most happy. You know, when I'm, when I'm stuck somewhere or struggling, I will always say, you know, why am I angry today? Or why am I so quick to irritation? You know, and then I'll really have to think and I'll realize, oh, you know, maybe I didn't take the opportunity to, um, be kind, you know, to connect with another person. And that could be, it doesn't have to be anything grand or big, you know, sometimes the most beautiful experiences I have are just going through the Schnooks checkout line, and I see the bagger, and I'll say, "Hi, Dolores, you look so beautiful today." You know, and that's the truth. Or I love that blouse you're wearing; it looks amazing. You know, those simple kindnesses every day can not only bring light to my heart, but it just may save someone else. That may be the thing they needed just to get through. That's nice how you can be um, that kind of outgoing. To, That's true. Say, to, 
<laughs> that doesn't come easy to me, but um, right. it, it's really, I think it's something to really be thankful for. If you can say to someone like, you know, you look beautiful today yeah. or something like that. Yes. And just to be able to express that sincerely. And, you know, it almost, to me, I don't know, it uh, would almost seem like too much, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't be, don't be mistaken. I have been... Uh, uh, told you're a little bit much, you know, what I mean? and I get that. I totally get that. Um, and I, I appreciate that. However, I learned a long time ago. Um, in fact, I think I was struggling a little bit many years ago, not many, a few years ago with, um, my career, you know, John and I were not blessed with our own children, uh, which is a sadness for both of us. However, I have so many beautiful children in my life, six nephews who are, oh, everything to me. Um, but, but I did struggle with that. You know, the older I got, the closer I got to 50 and realizing, oh, this isn't going to happen for me. Uh, that was a big struggle for me, Will. That was, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a pain in my heart that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. That only other women who haven't had that opportunity to have children probably will know. You know. Yeah. But in my struggles with things like that, I remember being so depressed, so sad, overwhelmed with sadness. And I had to really dig deep on that and, and figure out how am I going to get past this pain? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, what makes me happy? Hmm. Let's really think about that. Well, what day of the week am I happiest? I'm happiest on Saturdays. I don't have to go to work, right? <laughs> Even though I love my job. Mm-hmm. But it's a day that's really kind of nice for me because I, I go to the grocery store. I get all of my groceries for the week. I, I can take my time. I clean the house. I, you know, I do all those things that it's just relaxed, right? And I, I do feel happiest on those days. Why do I feel happy when I go to the grocery store? Well, I you know, see a lot of the same people I see every week. And I, I remembered thinking, you know what? I'm most happy when I do do those things, when I'm just outwardly open with people. Hmm. And I remember this, I had that thought and then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to feel weird about being myself anymore. Mm -hmm. If that's who I am and that's what brings me happiness, forget it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I remember that day going to the grocery store. It's a Saturday, and I was so happy. And I'm just going to be me. And if something crosses my path, I'm going to say it. You know, and I remember seeing this little old woman, and she looked so much like my grandmother. Had this beautiful olive skin, um, and she was with maybe a niece of hers because her niece kept calling her auntie. And I saw her, I was just struck and I started tearing up because she looked so much like my grandmother who I loved and who loved me so deeply. And I just stopped and I touched her arm and I said, can I tell you something? She said, of course you can. I said, you look and remind me so much of my grandmother who I lost so many years ago. And seeing you has brought her so close to my heart and I just wanted to thank you. And I was crying. She was crying. The niece was crying. Her husband was. And we had just all hugged. And it was such a beautiful moment. And I thought, yep, that's me. And it was so powerful that I thought, that's who I'm going to be from now on. 
I'm not going to apologize for being kind, <laughs> loving, giving of myself, because when we share those joys in life, and my mother told me this a long time ago, when we share our deepest joy, it is made double. <laughs> when we share our deepest sadness, it is halved. You know, and that's a beautiful way to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't yeah. apologize for that. I think God right. gives me that. Yeah. I can relate to um, some things may, like doing something that's authentic and honest mm. makes me feel stronger. Yes. Whereas if I kind of like do something that's not genuine, like because of fear or whatever, it makes me feel smaller. You yes. Know? And... Um, Exactly. But, That's a great way to put it. Yeah. But still, um, you know, certain things are just still like something to get over for me, you know, but I guess that's just how life is, you know, just a growing yeah. process and so forth. Yeah. But, we take little steps. Yeah. Right? Daily steps. So I'm going to be kind of jumping around a little bit. Just that's okay. I, um, but you, you mentioned like being an alcoholic from birth or having that That's be- my opinion. I think opinion. I was born with this gene, right? Okay. And then through life we, you know, are exposed to different things. There might be a triggering event or a trauma right. of some kind that will bring that to the Now that's my opinion. Sure. That's my view of my own life. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't like to speak for other alcoholics, right? Sure. <laughs> and is that behavior or way you're made up? Do you think it's like um a behavioral type of thing, like that you just the way you respond to things, or is it a, yes something like that? I okay. do, I do, okay. yeah. I, and I will have. I think I did say that ear, earlier, and I've heard yeah. other alcoholics. And when I'm in AA meetings, which I attend weekly, um, you know, it, you hear that a lot around the tables. We say, mm-hmm. you know, people will often have that. You know, they know they're at risk of drinking because certain behaviors will start happening, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're not sharing what's really going on inside. For me and for many alcoholics that I talk to, you know, we, we do certain things we might avoid, right? Difficult things, or we might stop saying what's really in our hearts. Uh, Those things weigh on us. Guilt and shame then kind of build up, right? And then we might be held to pick up a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, what I've learned in my faith, religious faith, and in my spiritual discipline of AA, I have to be painfully honest with myself always. I have to always be aware that this dis-ease is a cunning, baffling, and powerful. And if I am not diligent about my daily activities I could be at risk of using. There's no question for me. And I can see how that could be kind of built in because personalities are kind of built in. Totally. Little babies, (laughs) they're kind of different from one another. Yes. Um, And then what would be the opposite? You know, you're talking about your focusing on your daily behaviors that kind of combat that. So what's the opposite of that? kind of addictive tendency i mean of um you know the the fear the not sharing the not giving in so if you're trying to 
be that. Not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the opposites are love. <laughs> okay. Uh, acceptance, you know, mm-hmm. having the courage to surrender, you know, to those things. Remember, they're just feelings. They're not facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do focus on what is true, you know. If I'm concerned, I do have a lot of anxiety. Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? You know, particularly in my younger life, um, am I worthy of love? You know, am I smart enough, pretty enough? You know, are they going to let, am I going to fail? You know, so the opposite of that is realizing truth. I remember, here's a great example and something that really changed things for me. Uh, I remember getting my first big job out of sobriety. And I was managing a group of 25 people. I was running a day spa. And uh, my mom came to my office because I was truly terrified. I I thought, I'm surely going to fail. There's no way I can lead these people. Uh, I can barely manage my own life. (laughs) You know? I was early in sobriety. Mm -hmm. And I remember my beautiful mother, and I'll mention her a lot because she's a pretty wise woman. Uh, She came to my office, and she put this picture of her and I framed on my desk. And she is, I might have been two. She's holding me on her hip, and it's her profile gazing so lovingly at me. And I have this bright face and this curly blonde hair everywhere and I'm holding a daisy in front of my face just staring at the camera such a beautiful picture and she put that picture down in front of me and she said when you're afraid when you think you cannot do this I want you to look at this picture because this is who you are you are a powerful force of God's love in this world And you are capable of great things. Hmm. And that was so beautiful to me because I think that's who we all are. You know, we're all that little girl, that little boy. We're capable of great things if we just remember that. We are purely God's children, full of love and hope and life. So get on with it. <laughs> it's okay mm. to be afraid. Mm-hmm. It's okay to fail. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're not saints. You know, we're not ever going to be perfect. You know, and that's okay. It, they're just feelings. They're not facts. Mm-hmm. The fact is, the truth is, that we are powerful. And our, my only job in this life is to share God's message. That's his message. So, um, so it makes sense. You, there's <laughs> fear, and then you combat fear with truth, and you only can do that because ultimate truth is good and whole. I mean, if ultimate truth was awful, then, <laughs> then <laughs> right. you couldn't combat fear with truth. Correct, but, correct. So um, as far as growing in truth and being shaped by truth, you know, a person wouldn't want to just be shaped by um, platitudes or, you know, just kind of um, 
like this is just why I'm telling myself to help you. You want solid truth <laughs> yeah. that you can really believe and so forth. So how do you grow in um, knowing what that is and just nourishing yourself with true truth yeah. that's good and so forth? You know, I think it's just a, a. At first, you know, those platitudes, right? Well, when you're really struggling, sometimes you need trite things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. just to get through the day, you know? So we have a lot it's of like, sayings. There's hope in it. Okay. Correct. Right. A, a kind of a, an old-timer in the program once said to me, just bring your ass and your mind will follow. <laughs> and I think that's true of life, right? Sometimes you, you do have, you need those little quippy things, right, to get through. Mm-hmm. If you do those things long enough, you become that, Right. You need to say, okay, one day at a time, or first things first, or I tell myself, halt. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Right? Hmm. I need those things just to tri- you know, get my brain set right. Just simple things that simple, are quick true things that are and true. That are helpful. Yeah. After days, weeks, months, years of those things, mm-hmm. we become that naturally. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of prayer, mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. You know, and that's true of my religious faith as well. Mm-hmm. Do I want to sleep in on Sundays, right? And and watch a ton of gross TV and be on my phone playing? Of course. But I know that I will live best, feel best, and be more connected to God, to myself, and other people if I get up and I honor God for the gifts that he has given me by attending Mass, going to confession on a regular basis, being of service to others, doing coffee hour, participating in fellowship. You know, when I, do I want to go to an AA meeting? Most of the time, no. It's like I worked all day and I, you know, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I'm kind of a baby, right? I want to be on my couch laying with the pet and the dog, right? <laughs> but when I get my butt out of the door and I do these things, I always, 100% of the time, hear something that I needed to hear, mm-hmm. see someone I needed to see, touch someone's life, have my life touched by someone mm-hmm. every time. One hundred percent of the time. Mm. So, yes, we need those little reminders, you know, that sound kind of silly to other people or, you know, whatever. But I think if we do those consistently, we do daily things consistently, the results come. And then you look back and you're like, how did I get this great job? Well, you've been working on it for hundred years, you know, every day, little by little, you're doing the same things until mm-hmm. you're given grace. Right. Um, yeah. And I think simple can be helpful, even tr- wow. maybe, I don't know if trite. You're like, right. I probably shouldn't have made it so negative by saying trite. <laughs> oh, um, but it's mm. just like, um, but you do want it, you know, to be true. And I guess that comes to like... Kind of like your your Christian faith. So, um, what gives you confidence? I mean, we have the five senses that help us to see our world and experience our world, but those senses don't help us to see 
like the spiritual realm and right. so forth. Um, but it seems like you experience a lot of that yeah. as far as just you're filled with optimism, hope, and so forth. So um, I guess like, you know, what's the source of your confidence? That's one question. And then, um, well, we'll start there. Okay. Any, any thoughts on that? The source of my confidence. And um, like the Christian God. faith yeah. and God him being yes. good and so forth, you know. Yeah. Well, I would say that would be God, certainly. Okay. Um, I have seen a lot in my life. And like I said, that even going back to the last day of my drinking, right, that was a true miracle for me. Truly. I, there, nothing of my own human power could have relieved my alcoholism. Nothing. And so having been sober this long, certainly that, that is God. Now, I have a part to play in that, okay? I get that. Uh, but that, that moment of clarity, right, that, that moment that things turned over, that was something that cannot be explained, and, and that's faith. Um, but I see a lot of, of uh, the spiritual nature of things. I see that in other people. You know, my brother, uh, who is my best friend, outside of John, don't tell John. John, if you're listening... I love you, babe. Uh, he knows that. <laughs> he, my brother struggles with faith, with uh, well, per, mostly religion. Uh, but you know, he—the older he gets, the closer he's getting to God. Certainly, I think that happens naturally too. Hmm. Um, but he kind of makes fun of me sometimes. You know, he wants it explained. Right? <laughs> How can you believe so deeply? I said, I believe because I'm looking at your face, Dominic. Oh, Heather, you hippy-dippy, you know, stuff. <laughs> but that is true to me. Mm -hmm. So much of my life, I wanted to be holy, Will. I thought, if I become a nun, I'll be so holy. I'll be so close to God, right? Mm -hmm. I'll get that inexplainable uh, comfort, peace, those things that spirituality bring us, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, turns out I just had to be a, dr a drunk <laughs> to find those things out, right? Um, I think the grace of God comes, you know, when we, in our deepest sufferings, you know, the, I think God reveals himself to us. Hmm. I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. If we get out of our own way, I think this uh, the magical spiritual nature of faith and, and God is around us all the time. It is constant. But we are, you know, human, living a spiritual experience. Hmm. You know, so we, ha we have to keep our minds, our eyes, we have to keep our, all of our senses open so that we are ready to receive what God is sending us all the time. I have always been sent the exact right people at the exact right time. These aren't coincidences in my mind. They are the grace of God working in my life, always. My mother and I were meant to be together. I know that. You know, I have a beautiful marriage. My husband is my soulmate. Uh, we are meant to be together. Um, you know, it, it just is, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Those are gifts that are given to me because I believe that it's real. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, life in some ways does seem like a, a beautiful puzzle that just yes. kind of fits together. And, you know, you don't always, I don't always think of it like no. that, but just here yeah. listening to you, I can just kind of think about things like, wow, it's just kind of neat the way it all fits. Just not what we would have chosen. Right. But you can see the goodness of how everything comes together. Yes. What about, um, I was going to ask about like any kind of routines or practices. So this might be related to how you practice uh, Catholicism or your Christian faith, or just maybe even not religious things, but things that you just Mm -hmm. do routinely that are meaningful to you. Any thoughts about that? Oh, of course. Gosh, I love talking about stuff like that. Everybody's different. You know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent. Yes. I, I am a practicing faithful Catholic. Um, I'm, I'm a member of AA uh, and Al-Anon, uh, so we, I work certain 12 steps every day to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect, again, uh, but I practice spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. You know, I do have that desire of holiness in me. So, yeah, I, I say the rosary every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... Um a series of prayers through beads and it's Correct. like <clears throat> um like I think the Hail Mary prayer yes. and then the Ten our Hail father Marys, prayer okay our father okay yes uh and then attached to those uh, you know, decades are mysteries of faith and okay. meanings behind that mystery okay right? so each there's the glorious mysteries the sorrowful mysteries the joyful mysteries so you say the mystery at the beginning and then the meaning of that mystery, and then you say ten Hail Marys, and then in Our Father. It's and very then, powerful too. It's very meditative. Okay, because it's then repetitive. The mysteries are th- those have to do with the life of of Christ. Jesus of Christ. Yes. Okay, yes. all right. Yeah, they're beautiful. Okay, so I do that every day. Mm-hmm. Generally, when I'm walking the dog, mm-hmm. which I love, uh, I find uh, a lot of peace and calm and God in nature. You know, I love being outside and walking the dogs, saying my rosary, and just enjoying uh, the sun on my face, or even the cold, you know, on my face, whatever season it may be. Yeah, uh, it's just such a peaceful way to connect to my own heart and the heart of God. So I do that daily. Um, and what and what is the Hail Mary prayer? I know I've looked it up before okay. and I've read it, but just how does it go? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Yeah, right, yeah cool. it's a beautiful prayer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we revere Mary uh, mm-hmm. as an intercessor for us. Right. Her prayer is all-powerful before God. Um, so, yeah, she's a, I have a special devotion uh, to the Blessed Mother, as my husband does. He says two rosaries a day. My God. <laughs> uh, but my, I, you know, I grew up, again, Catholic, and my grandmother, uh, who loved me so much, and my uncle Frank, uh, who's my godfather. My grandmother was my godmother. Very faithful people. And uh, I always felt so at peace in Mass and so connected to my godparents. Uh, my uncle Frank um, passed away unexpectedly. He was so young, and I miss him desperately. 
And so practicing my faith um, keeps me closer to him too and to my grandma. Um, they were such integral parts of my faith. And I believe those seeds of faith saved my life. You know, I truly believe that. So I, I can't let go of that. I have to do that on a daily basis. <laughs> I do practice the discipline of, of AA. So I will often, you know, say the steps of AA and then go to meetings. Um, I, you know, uh, I just, you know, I, do, I, thinking about it now that you asked me about my uh, daily things, I do reflect on my day at the end of the day. It's called taking an inventory. Okay. And I think that's impor- important for anybody, not even people in recovery. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, at the end of my day, I always like to think, just to take a, even, it could be two minutes, but just take some time and think about your day. Mm-hmm. Think about, like I said, what did I do well? You know, let's not forget to congratulate ourselves. This stuff is hard, right? <laughs> you know, how did I, uh, what did I do good, right? What, what do I need to make amends for? You know, do I need to repair anything, even to myself, hmm. right? Did I talk badly to myself, right? Or whatever. Right. So doing that, taking that daily inventory keeps my mind right. And it prepares me for the next day, right? Mm-hmm. Then I wake up and I say, oh, please, God, show me your will for me today. You know, I give thanks for being alive. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to be alive. None of us do. This is a gift. <laughs> it's a real gift. Mm-hmm. And we have to treasure it and, and make it precious. So, yeah, those are my kind of daily activities. I work, right? Right, yeah. And, and I, I don't want to discount that. I think working is a, is a beautiful discipline of faith. Yeah. And finding joy in work, whatever it is. I mean, some yeah. of us have crap jobs. I get that, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're not happy at work, you know, I would always encourage people, there's got to be one small little thing or whatever that you can focus on. And maybe that could be that working is actually uh, giving um, praise to God. Joyful work, even if it's hard. Right. You know, finding that to be a gift that we give God. Right. right? To work hard. That's important. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a family like that, right? It's God, family, country, right? (laughs) Work hard. Stop complaining, mm-hmm. <laughs> pray, and mm-hmm. take care of your family and enjoy your family. Yeah, you know. Um. So, I wasn't um, planning on asking you about this, but it Ooh. just kind of came up. Because <gasps> um, I know that John is into fitness. Because oh, he's yes. okay, and I just was wanting to, you know, ask like what. A, what do you guys do yeah. for fitness? Like, well, I also noticed you got a silicone ring on. I do. Okay. I do. I do have a wedding ring, which I wear. Okay. But, but yes. So I figured that probably means because you maybe uh, grip a bar or something. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Heavy ones. Okay. Can you believe it? I'm a woman in her 50s lifting heavy weights. Praise be to God. Okay. Well, what is your um, thoughts about fitness at yes. this point in your life? Um, what do you do and and just how do you, what's your attitude about it and yeah. stuff like that? Well, I, I do think it's important to always be moving. Okay. Right? And, and my husband uh, was a trainer for a, many, many years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we own a, a small CrossFit studio with a partner. John does not run that studio anymore okay. or train. He's in real estate. Mm-hmm. However, it is a big 
uh, you know, was a big part of his life and is a big part of our lives. Um, a lot of people would ask my husband, okay, John, you know, you look so great. You know, now he's, you know, 55 years old, right? How do you stay looking so great? He's like, um, I've been working out for 35 years of my life. And that always goes back to consistency, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But people ask him, what should I do to get in shape? Mm -hmm. And he would always say, uh, what you, you know, whatever it is that you like, do that. Mm -hmm. Is it walking? Is it swimming? Is it, you know, yoga? Hmm. Is it lifting weights? Is it right. taking classes? You know, whatever it is that you will do, mm -hmm. that's what you should do. Right. You know? For me, I think fitness is a very big part of, um, again, giving praise to God for this vessel that I have, right? I'm, I'm not going to have it for very long, so I might as well take care of it. But it also keeps my mind right. You know, I get a lot of clarity yeah. from getting that energy out and, and feeling good. Mm -hmm. um, I love stretching and yoga, certainly. Mm -hmm. I, I like practicing breathing. I mm -hmm. think we... If, if, I encourage people listening, to notice during the day how often you're holding your breath in. Hmm. You know, are you really taking deep breaths in and out? That's what I like about yoga. It really connects me to my core, my center. Just the breathing alone can be so uh, transforming. Hmm. So I yeah. do like that stretching the body. What is, what is the first thing a dog or a baby does when they wake up? I have a, a cat. They stretch. I know they stretch. The cats, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They stretch, right? It's mm -hmm. so wonderful to really get connected to that vessel that you have. Stretch your body, breathe deep. But I also do like lifting weights. Um, mm. I like being strong. Mm -hmm. I always take care of myself and do it well and do it properly and safely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I do like CrossFit workouts because I can't run on a treadmill for an hour. Mm -hmm. I hate running, period. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah. If you give me something I can do in 10 minutes, really hard and really strong, I can do that. Right. You know, if you ask me to run a mile, I'm dreading it. But yeah. I'll lift that car up off the ground, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I do like lifting weights. Right. Um, I like eating well most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, I like cooking. We rarely go out uh, to dinner. I like preparing meals for the week, but I also love my snacks. I love... <laughs> You know, uh, it's Lent right now, so I did kind of give up my late night snacking. Mm -hmm. um, but I love uh, pizza. You know, mm -hmm. all the good things. I, I do like enjoying those things. We should never totally uh, deny ourselves pleasures, yeah. you know, unless it's harming us. Right. Um, but I'll often make that joke. Well, I do like to work out or at least move my body every single day in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Because I want to eat those Doritos and that chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I remember someone mentioning, um, if you just say no period to something, eventually you're going to be taking a bath in it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's so true. That's per I'm going to use that. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. And yeah. my brain tends to overdo everything. You know, mm -hmm. I can't do one of anything. That's just not how I'm set up. Right. Mm -hmm. My husband can do one chocolate. At mm -hmm. the end of a meal, I'm like, what is that even? How, how is that? Happen? You know, I'll start with one, but then by the end of the week, I'll have six chocolates stacked up. You know what I mean? And John will say, oh, our nightly trek to Mount Giardelli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be careful of that. Yeah. Uh, Lent is a good time for me to kind of sacrifice and those, those, you know, things that I would normally 
eat. I, I like to kind of concentrate right. on not having that and having more time to, to focus on discipline. And, uh, yeah. but And in, the discipline of working out, you know, that's yeah. good for my brain. Right. Oftentimes when I work out really hard, I'll have an emotional release. I'll cry. Hmm. And I work oh, out with wow. my brother and, and my husband, but mm-hmm. sometimes I've cried and, you know, they'll say, what's, what's going on? I don't know. Things are just coming out, yeah. you know, and then eventually I'll be like, why did I cry or what? You know, it's right. kind of good. Yeah. It's good to physically push yourself, right. you know, it clears the mind so that the right thoughts can get in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be, um, you haven't, you're not familiar with Dan John, are you? He's like a strength coach and an author and stuff. I'm not, but John probably okay. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's coming up on the podcast, oh, I think. How fun. Great. Yeah, so. I'll listen to that one. Yeah. I've listened to many, and they're wonderful. Oh, thanks. But, yeah. Um, well, I think probably we'll go ahead and wrap up. But um, I don't know. There's just It's been a really good conversation. Thank you. And I just feel like there's a lot to learn from you and a lot oh. for me just to give some thought to the things that you've You've said, and I really appreciate that. Thank so. you, Will. It's been so, such a joy to talk to you and see you after so many years. Yeah. Well, thank you, Heather. Thanks for being a guest. Is there anything you want to, um, you know, before we just wrap up, anything else that you want to bring up or just? Well, um, you know, I, I always like to uh, think about my mom. Uh, she's such a beautiful hero in my life and a, a, has so much wisdom, you know, and selflessness, faith. Uh, she's, I admire her so much because she is so resolute in what she knows to be true. Hmm. And she'll often speak these truths and has our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And when she's finished, she'll say, done. She puts her hand out. Like, <laughs> done. Like, don't even bother arguing, right? <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. And uh, two of my favorites um, that I'll leave you with, because I think you'll enjoy them, (laughs) is God don't make junk. Done. Hmm. And the second is where there is life, there's hope. Done. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Heather. I appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. (laughs) 